When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ooh, it is finally a little bit nice in Happy Valley. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Warm weather means spring football is not just literally, it, it's not figuratively, it's literally around the corner. Two weeks from the start of spring practice, so we are continuing our preview of the Penn State football roster, what to expect, who we're interested in, who we want to see. And of course, we'll be talking about the NFL Combine, wrapping that up for Penn State's prospects in the class of 2022 for the NFL. And then, of course, we'll be getting to things at the end of the show about non-football sports, including Penn State basketball heading into the Big Ten tournament. All that with our elite panel of experts and who is on vacation, is Ryan Snyder. You are not on a beach somewhere in uh, the Caribbean, Ryan. Not to not to burst your bubble, but welcome to the show. I don't think Nate is anywhere either. I think he's uh, coming back today. So can't wait to hear about his trip. I'm jealous. And as always, the refrigerator, the fire extinguisher, and of course, Dave Eckert. Dave, welcome to the show. Yeah. Me and my beautiful in-home ambiance <laughs> are not going anywhere, too, Frank. So let's get to it. Let's uh, First off, I want to welcome everybody to the show. If you're watching, thank you for hanging out with us here on this spring Monday. Um, make sure you like the video so that we can get more people involved. And if you feel like it, share the video with your friends so we can talk about Penn State football here as we can feel the excitement budding in the air about spring football. And if you want to ask a question, we will be having a section for questions coming up in just a little bit from you, the fans, before we get to our predictions for 2021. We're doing that again this week with our favorite game, at least my favorite game about who's going to be right in the future. If you want to get in a super chat, that's always super helpful. And we'll make sure we get to your comments here on the show. But with uh, spring break, Penn State's going into a quiet period, so we'll start with the NFL. Uh, the NFL Combine wrapped up over the weekend, and Ryan, uh, it was kind of, speaking of quiet, a quiet weekend for Penn State athletes. A couple of them actually either didn't participate or had to pull out because of some some nicks and cuts that happened at the Combine, right? Yeah, a couple injuries there. I was kind of surprised, I guess you would say. Um, I mean, I wasn't surprised about Rasheed Walker. Like, he definitely had an injury that... that really wasn't talked about because that's how Penn State handles things. But yeah. that, that didn't surprise me too much. Um, you know, the Jaquan Brisker thing, a little surprised with his numbers just because of how hype he was, you yeah. know, by Blake Alton them. So those didn't quite – I mean, not that he didn't do well. I thought he did fine. But, um, you know, just what we were hearing, you know, I think some people were maybe expecting a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, what – T. Frank, you watched it much more than I did. I have two toddlers, so I can't pretend I watched every second of it. But uh, oh, I didn't either. <laughs> was it a good week for Penn State? I don't – Not I really. Mean, but when I when – I, the outside looking in, I don't think it was. First no. And I, so I want to start off. I feel bad for Jesse Lucchetta, who really needed to have a good combine. And it could, because his, his whole – 
he is all about projection, and Brandon Smith is all about projection. He ran a 4.52 at 250 pounds. That worked out for him. He put up some really good testing numbers. Um, but Luketa, he ran a 4.89, didn't look good. I'll be honest with you. Even the 4.89 didn't look like Jesse Luketa running. And then on the second one, he presumably, you know, no guarantee, you know, there's no um, reporting on this, but clearly pulled a hamstring uh, in his second 40, and then he was done for the day. So he's a guy that does not have a lot of pass rushing on film and needed to show scouts in person his ability to bend and turn and play that position. And then he was a, a candidate to do all of the drills to show, you know, what he can do as a linebacker too, and none of that happened. And that's the thing about the combine is everyone's there you got to go to the pro day and a guy like brisker, he's going to have an opportunity to do all of that uh, at the, at, at the pro day. If he wishes to uh, maybe Rashid Walker will have, have that opportunity as well. If he's healthy enough by then, but Luketa, like he had the opportunity to push himself higher in the draft process. And, and none of that happened because of that injury. And I just, I, I feel bad for him because he posted some okay jumping times, but then wasn't able to do really anything else in the combine. Dave, did you watch? Do you have any impressions of what happened this weekend? You know, I didn't mostly because I don't have cable, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You don't steal from anybody. You oh, don't have anybody geez, in your I family. Steal. I absolutely steal. However, because I don't have cable to either. Watch, like, a, yeah. Stealing to watch a Penn state basketball game for two hours is different than like, Hey, I'm just gonna park <laughs> the NFL Combine on for eight hours for four days in a row. Like, you know, I don't know about that. I had but, it on three um, televisions, so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's why we pay you, T. Frank. That's why we pay you. I, um, the, go ahead. Sorry. Go thing, ahead. What did you think of of Tariq Castro Fields' forty, T. Frank? Because that kind of surprised me. Um, yeah. I'm, pull, I'm pulling up the number here. I forget exactly. What he ran it was. a four was, three eight. Four three eight. Yeah. yeah, like he never seemed that fast to me. That kind of jumped out at me. Yeah. The so the play speed and the track speed were entirely different, and and that is it's something that I said with Nate on uh, our preview of the combine on Wednesday that it wouldn't surprise me if Tariq tested well, and he only ran the forty, so it was the only thing he did. Um, but it was a great number. And uh, his, like I said before, I don't know what to do with him because I came into this thinking you could see whatever you want in Tree Castro Field. You could see a zone corner that, you know, played in Penn State's zone-heavy system, keeps a lid on everything. He's got good everything. He's just got good everything, but it doesn't seem like he has great anything. And then he posts a 4-3-8, and it's like you can see that athleticism from time to time, but really he doesn't play all that fast. Now the question is, is that because of the scheme or is that because of something else? So it helped him quite a bit, and I think it kind of opened up what he can be at the next level. I think a lot of teams are going to see that, and they're going to they're going to think with his kind of frame and build, he could be a man coverage corner. But I just, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what to make of Tariq. I haven't been able to figure it out in five years. And I guess an NFL team is going to have to make their decision in the next couple of months. Uh, one thing that I did not like about this combine was that they completely, absolutely sold out for the television broadcast. So did you, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but nobody did the other uh, drills. They, nobody did the three cone or the shuttle, and I'll, I'll explain why. It became pretty obvious as the as the week went on that um, 
a lot of stuff happened off camera. So normally, if you remember the yesteryears of the Combine, you'd see guys jumping and you'd see all of the other auxiliary drills. The NFL clearly made a decision this year to go all in on TV coverage because they started at 4 o'clock, which isn't new. But the order of the events was completely different. So they started with things off camera like the bench where Jaquan Brisker tweaked his back. Uh, then they did all the other jumping drills before they ran the 40. And that's when they pick up the TV coverage. Now, normally they would do all of the drills and the on-field work after they've completed all the testing. But what they did this year is they did the 40 and then went immediately to the on-field drills. And then at the end, you do the three cone and the shuttle. But do you really want to post a time after you've run all over the football field? You're t whether you're exhausted or just tired, you're not going to put up a time that's good. And that's why I think we saw the receivers put up some historically low three-cone numbers. And then the rest, like the running backs, just didn't do it. One corner ran those other drills. So, so the NFL really, I think... As much as I wrote about this, and you can check all of it out at bluewhiteillustrated.com, I think the NFL shot themselves in the foot from an analytical perspective of getting that data, but apparently they don't care because the money was more important than the data. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's a very <laughs> that's NFL why we have thing to do. <laughs> but people, so here's the thing is like, then, then we go to the pro days, right, Ryan? We go to the pro days. And what's the thing people have always said about the, the Penn State Pro Day? Oh, yeah, it's 38 yards downhill. So nobody trusts the number anyway. The combine, mm -hmm. the point of the combine is that you have a neutral field that everyone has the same exact bad situation. And that's what the, the combine is. You're sleeping in a hotel in a conference center. You're waking up in the middle of the night so they can do their PED testing. They're, you're going medical hours of interviews. You're not, you know, performance. You're not in peak performance but everyone's in the same situation. Everyone's got the same field. That's why they don't really want to move it from Indianapolis because you do that simulcam, it's all in the exact same position. And the, I, I think the NFL got a little too far into making it a TV show because casual fans aren't... You guys didn't watch the Combine, right? Like, you didn't really go in and watch hours of Combine footage. So I, I don't feel like they're picking up any other viewers based on the new television format. I personally watched it a lot more when it was during the week, but that's because I work from home, you know, so it's, right. it was a little yeah. little different. But, I mean, I just – I have kids now, you know, so there's no – the weekends are, you know, especially uh, how it was this weekend where it was actually kind of nice out. There was just – that there was no time for that. Hey, I did want to circle back to Tariq, though. And, I mean, mm -hmm. one, one thing I think we've seen with Tariq is, you know, his, his coverage grades for PFF have been decent. You know, yeah. like it's – I think yeah. the big thing – with with Tariq has always been his tackling like that has always been a massive issue and I think it's a massive issue for a lot of cornerbacks but I mean the guy did play 2300 snaps at Penn State so there is a massive uh database of uh you know of film for guys to look after um but I mean to me I just felt like if, if Tariq can improve in his tackling I feel like that was always just the massive issue and, and the problem was like he was doing that if you, you know, again, we're looking at PFS grades, but you know, he was doing that sophomore in the junior year, and then he yeah. just took a massive step back this year. Um, you know, grading with a 35 overall tackling grade, which which was a real issue. So, I think that's really been his thing. But I mean, if you look at his coverage grades, they've always been you know low to mid 70s, which aren't bad. I mean, the, yep. the best corners in the country, you know, when, when you look at these PFF grades, they're usually like low 80s ish. So, I mean, you know, it's he's yeah. not the, one of the best in the country for it, but he, he's he's held his own in coverage for the so, most part. 
the the other thing is is takeaways. Uh, I don't. I think he's got two career interceptions, which is one more yeah. than Marcus Allen. Which that was a thing for Marcus Allen was that he wasn't he, was. he wasn't taking the ball away. And I agree with you. I guess the 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 problem has always been for me is that I kind of like Rasheed Walker. I see the upside of Tariq. I see that he's a really good athlete, but the ball production and some of the more disruptive things never really took over. And that's why, you know, you go back a couple of years, Imani Oruwerie had that kind of a similar profile as, uh, I don't know if he wants to tackle, and that put him in the sixth round. But he had great ball skills, great instincts. And the NFL, I think, incorrectly was like, meh about him. So I just, I wonder what they're going to see from Tariq because his consistency, and I think this is a health-related thing over the last couple of years, really took a hit because if he's not going to take the ball away and he's not going to create those those high-end plays, he's got to be ultra-consistent. And I think we saw this year a little bit of, just a little bit of pressing. Like in games, he was trying to get that ball. He was trying to jump routes, and it got him a couple times. Another guy who mm-hmm. I thought had a great day, one of the few that really blew up everything was Arnold Epkiti. Didn't run a 40, but posted the second best vertical and broad jumps of his of defensive ends and looked really, really good in positional drills. He's not going to go in the first round, but he's an absolute steal in this draft in the second, which I think there's going to be a lot of those for Penn State uh, when you factor in Jaquan Brisker as well. Um but any any other thoughts on the combine before we move on to our main event today? I I would just say I mean I thought Arnold Ebkedi was Penn State's best player this past year. Yeah, I do. I mean I think everybody looks at Jahan because of the offensive production and and I mean you can certainly make that case. It's it's hard for me to, to argue against Jahan, but uh, Arnold Ebkedi was just fantastic. It, whether it was run coverage or you know excuse me you know uh, run defense or or getting after the passer. I mean his grades were just absolutely fantastic. I mean, he scored he scored multiple 90s yep. in, in pass rushing, multiple games this past year. I mean, he finished with an 88.4, which was would have been the best in the Big Ten, uh, you know, aside from uh, was it Hutchinson uh, from, from Michigan? But, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't have a caddy, man. I mean, I, I understand why he's maybe not be a first round grade, but somebody's going to get a steal on that young man. I think he's I think he's a really good player. Dave, anything from you? Yeah, I you know I totally agree with what Ryan said. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, it's disappointing because it, it does seem like some guys who really needed, really needed this didn't get it for various reasons. Um, I thought Brandon Smith kind of like did what he had to do, you know, because because the on-field production wasn't necessarily there for Brandon Smith last season. Um, but he needed to test well, um, and and I think you kind of said it. You know, he needs to be a guy who you can project upside for, and I think that he gave himself that this week. Um, so yeah. Bit of a bit of a weird one, um, but you know, definitely some some positives there if you go looking for them for sure. Penn State's pro day is March twenty fourth. Of course, we will be there. I, I think you know. I I don't know if they've opened it up yet. Hopefully, we'll be there. But if we can be there, we'll absolutely be there, uh, giving you a recap of everything Penn State prospects do at Haluba Hall for their tw- March twenty fourth Penn State pro day. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get into the, the, the meat of this. Uh, what people want to know when it comes to spring football spring practice preview last week we took a look at the offensive side of the ball so if you didn't see that uh, bwi live make sure you check that out we're talking about the defensive side of the ball and probably the position that has been talked about the most so far this offseason because of who isn't there is the defensive end position so we're going to go through and give guys that we're interested in we want to know more about or that we think are very important to the position um so we're going to start with dave dave who did you pick at this position and why I picked Adisa Isaac um, just for, I guess, the basic reason of, you know, he, he maybe he had, he showed some really good upside two years ago, um, was probably in a place where he was going to start last season before he picked up uh, an injury. And we don't know, we don't really know where he's at. Um, so I guess just kind of getting a feel for his position um, health wise and what he is and isn't able to do this spring, uh, how he looks, I feel like is, is something that I'm interested in. Um, because Penn State needs him, right? right. Um, what are you, you expecting? Know, if, 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 so what, if I may ask, what are you expecting of him this spring? What do you think you're going to get? I don't know. Um, you, you know, he was sprinting. Um, I think in December was when James Franklin said he was sprinting. When we saw him in the weight room, um, last week, it didn't look, I don't think he maxed, but it didn't necessarily look like he was, you know, like off to the side doing, you know, in, injury rehab stuff. So if I had to guess, I, you know, I think he will be on the field in some capacity. Um, and Chuck Losey did say that also, like he, he'll be able to do some stuff. So if I had to, to I guess, make a projection, I, I, I would assume that he'll be limited, but, but doing, you know, a, a good amount of stuff this spring. Uh, Ryan, going to you, who are you looking at at the defensive end position in spring practice? Yeah. Uh, well, first, I'll, one thing I'll say with Adisa is, you know, we were talking, and this is totally different positions with Tariq, and of course, he's a corner, and uh, Adisa's a defensive back. But the one thing Adisa has been excellent with is his tackling. That was, I mean, we only have 311 uh, snaps with Adisa yet, so his sample size is still pretty small. But, man, he has consistently been, uh, you know, one of those guys where if he gets you in his grabs, uh, he, he brings you down. So that's one thing that Penn State could really use this year because, uh, as I, I think, with their young linebackers, you know, that that's kind of an issue uh, with some of those guys. Now, again, they have they have limited snaps as well. But uh, Adisa, I just feel, is one of the best tacklers on the team. Uh, but my guy would, would be Hakeem Beeman just because – and then now, of course, we don't know if Hakeem's a defensive end or defense tackle. That's kind of the issue, right? Yeah. Uh, when I look at when I when I look at some of the photos I saw the other day, uh, just from uh, winter workouts and everything, to me, kind of he's definitely continues to kind of lose weight. It looks like. Uh, but what's his status? You know, it, I, do I, I? I think. I mean, he obviously he was gone last year for off the field reasons. What those exact reasons were, I'm not exactly sure. People have mentioned academics. I don't really know if that's true, so I don't really want to go all day on that. That's what people have mentioned before. But just what, where where is he at? And because he was incredibly, I don't want to say incredibly important, 
important player, but he was he was progressing in the right ways. And and of course that was a 20, 2020 season. It was it was a weird year. Uh, but you know that you show in the Michigan game there. I mean, or excuse me, it wasn't Michigan. It was uh, I believe Iowa. I think Iowa was his, was his best game that season, which was uh, right before Michigan. Of course, that was a terrible game for Penn State. But uh, he just showed signs towards towards the yeah. end of that season that he was progressing in the right way. And of course, he was playing more so uh, tackle at the time. But uh, I think that I think Hakeem always kind of wanted to be more of an end. Just I remember talking to him as a recruit, and of course, he just kind of kept growing. But uh, just to his status, man, whether it's it's as an end or as a tackle, uh, getting him back in that rotation, I think would be incredibly important for Penn State moving forward. Uh, agreed, and that's why I uh, went with uh, Amin Vanover because, again, where are these guys lining up? Penn State needs mm-hmm. defensive ends. We've been talking all offseason. They're going into the portal to try and find these guys. So are they going to uh, take some of those defensive tackles that have tweener ability? Are they going to move them to defensive end, or are they going to leave them as tweeners? And like you mentioned, when I was at uh, Max Testing Day, Amin Vanover, this, is, this was my view of Amin Vanover, to me that looks more like a defensive end. That looks more mm-hmm. like a guy that looks like he's trying to play on the outside. And truthfully, from, from the bowl game, I thought he showed some good things. Is he going to be an Adisa Isaac sort of pass rusher? No, and that's where Penn State really needs to add. I think that even if they, they get what they want from these two guys that we're talking about, they still need to add some more talent as pass rushers um, to that particular position. But you know, where Vanover and Beeman line up, I think is going to inform a lot of stuff when it comes to the defensive end position. Uh, coming back to you, Dave, overall, right now, how do you feel about that position in spring practice? How do you feel like Penn State is positioned there? I feel like there's a lot of things that we don't know. Um, and and obviously, you know, it's college football. It's always going to be like that. But if you're if you're projecting right now, right, two of Penn State's most important contributors on the defensive line next season are probably going to be Adisa Isaac and PJ Mustafer. And those are both guys that are going to be coming off of serious injuries. Um, who's, you know, we just, we haven't had a chance to ask James Franklin what's up with them, how they're doing, what their status is. So, um, you know, it, it, I think they'll be fine. Um, but there's definitely some, some variables there, um, to consider. So, yeah, I think they'll be all right. Look, um, but but it's it's going to be there, there. There's some questions. That's all. If you got a question, speaking of for any of us that you want to ask about uh, Penn State spring practice, about the combine, about your favorite prospect, whatever it might be, throw that in the chat here if you're watching live, and make sure that uh, uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit during our question segment. Um, also coming up in just a little bit, a preview of the BWI Daily Edition, which you do not want to miss, speaking of Penn State prospects. Let's go to the defensive tackle position. And Ryan, I'm coming back to you. Who do you want to see at that tackle position this spring and why? Jordan Vandenberg, man, because My a lot of people can continue to rave about him. And, you know, I don't I don't you know, if PJ comes back and he's fine, you know, obviously Kaziah, I think his uh you know, made it made it clear. Like, I, was Kasai a superstar last year? No, but he he was getting better, and he was thrown to the fire, obviously, with all the injuries. I, I think, you know, between those guys, they they should have a, a pretty good uh, feel for uh, the the starting positions. Uh, but but you know, Jordan is just one of those guys that continues to improve, and 
and everybody speaks really highly of. He's an incredibly hard worker. And, uh, you know, just just when I ask around, man, they, they continue to, to say that uh, they think they got a steal here out of Iowa Western. Of course, he was a junior college guy who signed late last year. So uh, I, I like I like what I hear about him mentally. I like what I hear about him as a player and as a teammate in the locker room and all that stuff uh, bodes well. So we only saw him for what was it like 60 snaps last year? And yeah, I think. I think a ton of them came in Arkansas, which wasn't his best game. That was probably actually his his, his worst game of the year. But uh, you know, there, there's there's a lot to like. I think about who he is and his commitment to getting better and being a good teammate. And and uh, you know, those are the kind of guys you want. So uh, just considering how late he came in last year and and how he was able to already you know get some playing time, yes, because of injuries more than anything. I uh, just think it bodes well for his trajectory. And and he's a guy who really should eat up this spring. Uh, Jordan Vanderberg, by the way, friend of the show. Uh, we were uh, oh, chatting yeah. at the uh, we were chatting at uh, Max Testing Day, and uh, he was telling me what he uh, you saw there at the end. That was him squatting, even though you can't really see five eighty five for five. Chuck Losey uh, said that he's one of the strongest players on the roster. So that I think versatility on the interior, and you know, I, I know the PFF grade came out one way uh, when it comes to his production. And I think that there's some, there's some validity to that, but when it comes to the way he was losing in those situations, I, there were still a lot of things to like about that tape. So I was pretty encouraged coming out of that, even with that PFF grade, but, uh, he's gotta be You're talking about right? the Arkansas game. I'm sorry. Yes, about the Arkansas, the Arkansas game. game. Yeah. yeah. The Arkansas game. Yeah. Uh, he's gotta be right. Somebody has to step mm -hmm. up on the interior. And to me, the guy that I'm looking at is, uh, not just Vandenberg because, you know, I knew somebody else was going to take him, but, uh, uh, Fatorma Moba, 296 pounds, looked like, and I said this on the Friday show with Greg, uh, he looks like a Maxim model. Like you could just airbrush him and put him on the front of a Maxim catalog because he's stacked. He is so strong. So those two guys on the interior, if they take a step forward, can help with what uh, Dave said when it comes to PJ Musfer coming back from an injury. How does that defensive tackle position with Devon Ellis and Keziah Izzard, they need reinforcements there and they need somebody to step up and make some big plays. And if you have that depth and rotation, it takes some of the pressure off of Mustafer to come back too soon. So I think that those are all really good answers to that question because they're going to inform a lot of what happens uh, in the fall, especially. Let's go to one of the uh, most hand-wringy positions for Penn State fans on the Blue White Illustrated message board on the roster. Linebacker, trigger warning, Dave, who are you looking at here? Yeah, um, it is interesting. And by interesting, I mean slightly concerning. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I'm going with Jamari Budden. Um, I kind of got caught in between him and Kobe King. Um, just because it feels like one of those guys is going to have to step up. Um, they both played a little bit last season. They stopped short of burning their red shirt, but that was something that James Franklin kind of thought about with them and discussed with them, but, you know, they elected not to do it. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, he, I liked what I saw from him last year. He looks physically ready um, to play at this level. He's 6'2", 221. Um, so, yeah, you know, um, just kind of interested to see where his progression goes. Um you know, and it feels like to me, one of those two guys is going to have to step up and play a lot. I don't know who it's going to be. Um, I'm just kind of flipping a coin, I guess. But um, I'm, I'm definitely interested to see what he's doing this spring and what the coaching staff has to say about him. So, uh, Ryan, all line, all freshman linebacker group. 
Is that what we're going with? Who who are you looking at? No. So if Jamari Budden is playing one position, no. Kobe King, is he on the other one? No. I mean, Penn State's going to get a transfer here, guys. And and it's and it's yeah. very clear, I think, with the way that they are um, scouting this position that, that that is their goal. Now, I, I shouldn't say they're going to because it doesn't – you know, we, we have to see what happens in the portal. But I think Jamari Budden's going to be a good player. I think he's still a year away. I, mm-hmm. I think physically, Dave, you're, you're correct. I mean, he's, he's definitely yeah. – uh, you know, a player who looks the part, but I think just from what I hear, just grasping the game, you know, and being ready uh, yeah. to, to play at that level, he's probably still needs another year. And that's why the spring is going to be so important for him. So uh, be curious to see how that plays out. But, but to me, it's definitely the Mike position because the way they have been pursuing players in the portal, you know, they, it looks more like they're focused on outside linebackers. Uh, so what happens at that Mike position between Tyler Elson, of course, Kobe King? I mean, the fact that Kobe King seems to be pushing Tyler Elson is – uh, grabs my attention because obviously Elson's gotten more more of the playing time. But uh, when you when you ask around, you know people speak highly of of just what they've seen from Kobe so far. Uh, and both of them are physically ready. I have no doubt about that. So uh, just 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 how that position battle shakes out. Now, of course, I think if Penn State could find a Mike, they will add a Mike. But mm-hmm. uh, right now, if I had to put my money down, you know, just from talking to people and, and the way they've offered guys it feels more like filling in that brandon smith spot is more imperative to them and you know the battle between elsden and kobe feels like that could realistically be who we see on the field uh, in purdue but again you know we talked to me in april 25th and you know a couple of mics go in there that they're interested in and everything can change but yeah uh, can that, I ask that's you about where that? i have my focus because this is something that i know you and i have talked about and and people have been asking about is what is the priority in the portal and i know that numbers are are important no matter what but it it seemed like for a while that mike was the answer and now Mm -hmm. you're saying that it's more of that outside position do you think that kobe king has changed their thinking or is it just kind of what we talked about the landscape of what's what's out there the plan with the portals to get as many good players as you can to improve your team, you know what? And that's just honest truth. Like, I mean, if they, I don't want to say pretty much any position, but like maybe quarterback, I don't know if they would just add a quarterback tomorrow because of the landscape of that room, but you know, there's positions where they're stacked at and and if they could add a a solid, uh, I mean, just really any, any of the positions, just look across the board that they'll add talented players. If a guy enters the portal is seriously interested in Penn state wants to come here. So just when I look at, and when I talk to people, I, it just feels like filling Brandon Smith is priority number one. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, if, if, a, if a good mic comes up and that guy's, you know, he has ties to the staff originally, has ties to the Northeast region, is, is very interested in Penn State. And uh, that recruitment progresses to the point where they can get a guy. They'll absolutely add a guy. But uh, and, and I also, T. Frank, I, I have talked to you before, past about Mike being important. It just kind of depends on who you talk to. You know, it, whether right. if you ask one person to last one thing, they'll tell you that. And, and if you ask another person, they'll tell you something different. I mean, it, obviously, the staff as a group tries to come together and, and find the best plan as a, you know, everyone's minds alike. But, you know, when you have however many was it, 40 some people on that staff, maybe a little more, everybody's going to have different different. Opinions. Right. So that's that's a big thing. Uh, and just to put a fine point on that, the guy that I'm looking at is Tyler Elsden, because I think there are parts of his game where you can you can play him. Uh, you you mentioned the Outback Bowl against Arkansas. I thought he did a good job against the run. Now, mm-hmm. that is the only thing that happened in that game. Uh, and he was a part of a unit that did not do well overall against the run. But uh, he hasn't really. I don't know that he's, he's 229 pounds now on the roster. We'll have to see if he's updated to being close to 235 once we get to spring the spring roster update in just a little bit. But 
that physicality he's got to play with, he's got he had to get bigger to play the style of football that he plays. So that's going to be interesting to see that. And then if you are running that Mike position with these two guys, I think both are playing. You're not going to have a situation like Ellis Brooks, who is your your captain and the guy that's going to be out there the entire time and the guy who's running the defense. Both these guys, from a talent and individual play perspective, I think no matter what, you're going to see those guys on the football field. So uh, having him get up to speed, I think that's pretty important. So got two more positions. Going to go into the secondary and check out some guys. Uh, I'll go back again to you, Dave. Go through the same process. What player is important to you to see this spring? Yeah, at, at corner, you know, it kind of feels like we know a lot of what there is to know about a lot of these guys, right? Um, you know, so so the one guy who I don't feel that way about is Cam Miller, um, who is, uh, you know, an early enrollee. Um, but, yeah, I'm interested to see um, – I'm interested to see what he does, you know? Uh, oh, is he actually – did he enroll early? He, might he did not. No, early. he did it. Oh, he, man. He did. It. He was so going did. to. He – yeah, that's not on you. We 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 were writing for a while that he was, but he actually ended up pulling out late. I don't know the exact. Oh, I got to repick. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mar- uh, Marquise Wilson because he plays two ways. <laughs> yeah, I was going to correct uh, you there. That's my fault. I should have corrected on the uh, on the hot list or on the you know. The no, that's my, that's my fault. Uh, but yeah, Cam Miller's interesting because I don't know anything about him, but we got to wait until the summer for him. So we'll continue not knowing anything about Cam Miller. Live uh, television! Uh, Ryan, yeah. let's let's pull up from this Kim, nosedive here. Who do you got? Cam Miller's going to be a good player, man. He he had a really impressive shuttle. Uh, really like his agility. We I think we saw saw that in Under Armour camp. I didn't see it personally, but uh, you know our coworkers saw that. I think he has a four two one shuttle, which is an incredible uh, shuttle time and a yeah. uh, mid four five. You know, so there, there's there's some things to really work with with Cam. Uh, but to me, yeah, like there are a lot of guys we know stuff about. It's got to be Joey Porter Jr. Guys, because look, I mean, obviously you're not you're only going to learn so much about Joey in the spring, and I and I understand that, and that doesn't really. Uh, work with what this exact question is, which is around spring ball. Joey Porter Jr. should have been in that in that combine this past week, guys. Yeah. And his 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 confidence just I I want to blank, you know, after after that Ohio State game and and everything everything since that game, man, was just I, I don't know what happened to him. But before that, I mean, he was he was on pace to be one of the best cornerbacks in the Big Ten and, and was absolutely on pace to be entering the NFL this year. So just how he rebounds from that, because they need him this year. Uh, I mean, he, he's to me, he might be one of the most important players on the defense because we, like we know there's young guys that are going to, uh, you know, just have to have the growing pains. And that's, that's how it works out when you're a young guy yeah. playing for the first time. I mean, Joey has to be a lockdown corner. What, yep. what, and what we saw from him, those first, uh, what was it? Seven, seven or so games last year. So, so just him rebounding, getting that confidence back uh, and then going out there this year and, be, and being one of the big tens best. I think will be critically important for this defense this year because if he plays like he played those last five or so games, uh, is going to have some serious problems with the, the guys behind him and then obviously the young guys at other positions. Yep, and for a similar reason, first off, with Joey Porter Jr., um, he seemed, you know, we only got to talk to him for a little bit uh, pre-bowl game, but I, I was impressed by his... Um, self-awareness in that situation of what happened to him at the end of the season. So I, I, I think from that perspective, the talent is, is too rich in him. He is, he's mm-hmm. got too much going for him for that, for that backslide to be permanent. Um, the guy that I'm interested in is 
the guy that presumably is going to be across from him in Kalen King, because let's rewind the clock to this point last season. And the question was, you know, how good is Kalen King going to be? Because he is blowing everybody away. James Franklin said the most prepared freshman we had come to Penn State in his first year. Then you fast forward to camp. And the next thing about Kalen King was he didn't continue that essentially where he didn't have a starting role. He should have been competing to be a gunner on special teams because he's going to be a guy that plays all season, and he didn't do that. So then he had to earn his way onto the football field, which he did late in the season. So is the consistency there for Kalen King, or is there going to be more up and down fits and starts? He was a freshman last season, and I don't want to make it sound like he had a bad freshman year, but he is going to be the presumed starter opposite of Joey Porter Jr., and if Joey Porter Jr. plays the way he can... Teams are not going to throw the ball at him as much, which means Kalen King is going to see a lot. So is he ready? Is that consistency there? That's what I'm interested to see this spring, if he can continue that momentum, because the promise was there from the start. He fulfilled it in flashes, but, you know, as a sophomore, as an advanced sophomore, this is a guy that's got to be able to do that for Penn State to be successful. So the starting corner is pretty important here. Newsflash. <laughs> to be as good as last year, they need to be as good as last year. Uh, and at safety, Dave, this is confirmed. He is on the roster. Your pick <laughs> is? Zaki Wheatley. Right. Um, you know, I I am attempting and often failing in this exercise to pick guys who we don't know that much about, who just interest me. Um, maybe not guys who are going to play huge roles. And Zaki Wheatley is one of them. Uh, you know, he's he's... He's a freak athlete. He's got great size. Um, we saw him a little bit last year, I think three or four games. Um, but I, he played a little bit in the bowl game as well. I thought he was okay. So, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see how he's progressed. Um, if maybe he can earn a little bit more time next season, maybe on special teams, maybe, you know, spelling the starting safeties. Uh, but, yeah, his athleticism just really intrigues me. Um, you look at him, he looks like he's going to be a good football player. Yeah, so, I wanted him to stay I, at corner because I thought that whole big that whole big corner thing yeah. could be a thing of him and Joey Porter Jr. and they moved him to safety. So I, I I tend to agree with you there, Ryan. Who do you have at the safety position that you want to see more of, or you want to see something that's important to the team? Yeah, I mean it's got to be Jalen Reed. I mean he's the next guy up at this position, and he showed it multiple times last year. I thought, um, you know, I thought in the Arkansas game he stepped up there. Played 40 snaps. Uh, tackling was definitely an issue in that game. He, he, you know, he had he had a couple. I think it was like maybe at least two or three kind of you know real real important missed tackles in that yeah. game. And, and you know, he would tell you that. But he's a young guy moving up, and that's going to happen. But I mean, he, he's been pretty good in coverage. Another guy who I think is holding his own back there. Uh, I love I love Jalen's bravada about him. Like yes. I mean, he's kind of reminds me of Marcus Allen back in the day a little bit. Like he. He loves to get after it. And uh, look, he's the next guy up, period. And I think Zaki Wheatley, I think Zaki Wheatley and Jalen Reed, to some form, will, will be that tandem uh, in the years to come. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there. But because uh, I because I like Zaki Wheatley, too. I mean, he was he was probably the other guy I was going to pick here. And, I, and one thing I'll add about Zaki, too, is he's, he's always been a really smart player 
you know, we had limited film on Zaki because of the pandemic and things like that. But what we always saw with him, he always made great, uh, you know, he was really good with turnovers, really made great breaks on the ball. Zaki's always been a really smart player. But to circle back to Jalen Reed, I just, we have enough on him now where, you know, he played a little over 100 snaps last year uh, to see that, hey, this is a guy who has earned his way onto the field yep. uh, because of he because of who he is as a, as a player and uh, his commitment off the field as well. So I think Jalen Reed is a is potential breakout player for Penn State this year. I didn't pick him as my as my true breakout, uh, but uh, he to me, I mean, he he could really uh, be, become not maybe not an NFL prospect this year, but but somebody that like grabs some attention. You know, I picked him last week in our prediction game, and uh, you know because I think Dave picked the easy one that was the obvious winner. I think in Nick Singleton. I wasn't I didn't win, but we agree about that with Jalen Reed. And that was backed up at the max testing day that we saw because he looked the part. One of the things I said after the Outback Bowl was he's in the right spot. He's just got to get bigger because he was he was mm-hmm. filling that Jaquan Brisker role of coming down, playing in the B gap. And he was just getting blocked by line ba- by by offensive linemen. So getting stronger, more physical at the point of attack. That was the next thing for him, because you're right. The coverage stuff is all there. The the instincts, the the swagger. Um, I, I really like all those things from Jalen Reed and I don't normally pick a winner here in what we talk about, but that's, that's the right answer because I'm going with Tig Brown and we know it, we know what he is. We know exactly what he is, but a guy, the reason I bring him up is because I also saw him seem to, he seemed to get a little bit bigger as well. This off season, he seemed to be a little more physical, a little thicker through his body. So does that mean he's going to be playing closer to the line of scrimmage and they're going to really be balanced in the back of who's playing the free and who's playing the strong and who's in the box and who's playing deep. If that's the case, then he, you know, he might not have as many interceptions because he's not back there for those pop flies and those throw overthrows, but he might be making more plays on a, on a consistent basis with tackles and and physicality and presence in the game overall so I don't know that he'll have as many interceptions just because that's kind of a fluky thing to have six in one season but at the same time he might be a more impactful player because of the way he's used this next season and either way getting bigger faster and stronger he's got to be the leader in that group because everything else we talked about some questions about Joey Porter Jr. some questions about Kalen King who's the other safety next to him he's the leader Mm -hmm. He's got to secure that because the, the strength of that defense last year was their coverage unit, and they have the potential to match that or get close, but he's got to be the leader. He's got to be the Jaquan Brisker this season for that young group. Okay, so now we're going to get to this quickly because coming up today, we've been taking a look and we've been interviewing and talking to Penn State's prospects and, and committed players mostly for the class of 2023 and later tonight on the BWI Daily Edition coming out at six o'clock you get to hear from a guy that might be a Nittany Lion and hear about what he wants to find in his next stop at the college football level the 159th player in the nation according to on threes on 300 update Rodney Gallagher joins the BWI Daily Edition here is a preview of that conversation I had with him last week I want to ask you this because uh, as as a film analyst, as a guy who's watching all your plays, um, I I, I want to make sure I ask you your opinion before I make my own. Of mm-hmm. those positions, you know, corner, receiver, quarterback, special teams obviously can be in there no matter what. What do you see yourself as most going to the next level? Yeah, I want to play. I want to play slot receiver. Um, okay. I really want to score touchdowns. Um, I want to do what's best for me, and I really think that's the best position for me. Um, so I'm excited and I'm really going to develop into this off season into that position and really going to work on every single thing I need to work on to be great. 
it, so you're going to be playing receiver your senior season? Yes, that's the plan right now. If then if anything changes, you know, I'll always let you know. So yeah, you got you can just DM me. Let me know. <laughs> so Rodney, our conversation coming up later today. Another awesome kid, a Penn State prospect, and Ryan. I know you've talked to him a couple of times. What's your impression of Rodney Gallagher? Awesome kid. Yeah, I love Rodney. He's been been one of those guys from the beginning. Where um, first off, I think the thing with Rodney that stands out to me is that he's a little bit ahead of a lot of guys in his age and understanding the importance of NIL. And yeah. what I mean by that is he understands the importance of interviews. He understands the importance of getting his name out there. He understands the importance of social media. And I, just a lot of the guys I've dealt with in 2022 and even 2023, I don't think they get that yet. And I think Rodney is very aware of his two sports uh, athleticism and you know the, the prowess he has from that. He's very aware of social media and the power that has. And then also just uh, doing interviews and getting his name out there and being well-spoken and things of that sort. So that's just – and, that you know, obviously we're talking everything off the field there, not not anything about, about his on-the-field prowess. One other thing I'll add too is Rodney just won the Whippeal uh, District um, – basketball finals this past yep. week man he he hit uh two free throws right at the right at the uh well there's like maybe a second or two left in the game i think it was so congrats to him congrats to Laurel highlands i'll be trying to if he can if they can make it to hershey i'm definitely going to go to the state championship and check them out uh, i'd like to if the semifinals or wherever come around us i'd like to like to come see it i i'll travel for football games i, I try not to travel for basketball track huh well, yeah, and it, and it's and it's camp season coming up, T. Frank. You're coming yeah. with me out to Columbus, and I mean, I think we have four camps in the next six weeks. So, uh, traveling season is uh, is about to upon us. So, I, I'm telling my wife I'm about to leave her for all these weekends, and then, oh, by the way, I'm going to leave you on a Wednesday night to go watch a basketball game. It doesn't it doesn't work too well with two toddlers, but uh, I do want to go see him play, and hopefully, they they continue to advance. But uh, Rodney's an awesome kid. That should be a great interview, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We get into all of those things. We talked to him about all of that stuff on the BWI Daily Edition coming up tonight, so make sure you check it out. And of course, subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, and if you want to get inside information on Rodney and where he might go, does Ryan have a prediction in for him? BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Sign up for just $1. It's a package deal. Here's what I'm going to do for you. You subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, and you go over to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. The whole thing is going to cost you $1. So do that right now and get inside access for 12 months and, of course, forever on YouTube. As soon as you subscribe, until the end of time, you have access to YouTube. So we're going to be getting to your questions. It's going to be a quick segment today. We're going to, uh, we are gonna—we got a couple other things to get to and, of course, uh, our prediction game coming up today. So we got one question coming in from JC, a regular on the show. What returning player do you think fans have the most unrealistic expectations for both too high and too low? Dave. Who is the guy that you think we have hmm. too high of expectations for as either fans or media? Too high. That's an interesting one. I'm kind of vamping here to give myself some time to think about it. Um, I might go with, with Tig Brown, not because I don't think he's going to be as good a football player next season, but I do think that like the six interceptions that he got last year, like there's some randomness involved there, you know? Um, so that might be the guy who I would go with just off the top of my head, not really having time to think about it. Like, again, I don't think he's going to take a step back as a football player, but um, interceptions aren't, aren't a sticky stat um, as the an an analytic people like to say. And right. that might be something that, that comes down a little bit. And hopefully that doesn't um, 
influence the public opinion of him too much. Uh, but I, it, it may if you know he ends up with one instead of six this season. So I'll go with him, but you know I'll hedge my bets a little bit there. Dave, uh, you're you're I, I should say JC, you're putting everyone in a bad position having too good of a question, making Dave think. <laughs> on his feet like that when it's a it's a great question you want to make sure you're doing it right uh ryan on the other side who are expectations too low for heading into 2022 who who you think is a bit underrated a bit of a dark horse right now well that wasn't what i was gonna i just spent 30 seconds over here thinking what i was gonna do all right i'll do that you you do you do you do high (laughs) i'll do low can i get my drew can i get my drew aller rant real quick yes please i love drew aller as much as anybody out there but you guys have already anointed him the king, and uh, let's just be be careful. Uh, I think expectations on quarterbacks can be very tricky, and I worry a little bit when you know. Every, first off, everybody's already said he's uh, you know anointed the next quarterback over Bo Prabula and and Christian Veyu. I mean, come on, let's let's think about that for a second. And then too, you know, it's just uh, his his rise is earned, and and he deserved every accolade he got. I just I worry a little bit when. I know this fan base. I, I was here for Christian out or <laughs> Christian Hackenberg. You know, I watched Anthony Morelli back in the day and obviously those guys didn't quite get to the level that they needed to be. But I also just worry about the pressure that is put on them and uh, you know, any little cracks in that and, and sometimes how, how that can be spun and twisted. And I'm on these message boards as much as anybody. So just, I just want people to pause a little bit with the Drew Aller love. Be excited, but uh, let's just give them some time before we uh, put the crown on his head. Yeah, I agree. Have some clear eyes about the situation. Mike H, love it. I love so if you're if you're looking in the chat, Mike H put in a a super chat with a sticker that does not translate to the live screen. So Mike says sorry for the weird emoji, but wanted to throw some cheddar your way for the show. So Mike, you are the man. Thank you for that, JC. Thank you for your question. Uh, I'm gonna go with a guy that maybe the expectations are a little too low on is Caden Wallace. Not a great year from him last season. But that doesn't mean mm-hmm. he's a bad football player and he can't improve. And this, uh, truthfully, I think maybe this show is a part of that. The, the the fans and the and the viewers of this show, my conversations about is he a tackle, the general conversation, is he a tackle, just because he didn't perform well one season doesn't mean he can't improve to the point that he's a quality lineman in a group that performed well. Mm-hmm. You, can have, you can have superstars and then have those guys work well with other guys on the line that are playing well. And I think that is still within the realm of possibility for Caden Wallace. Uh, so that is my guy who's a little bit too low. We're all a little too low on because I think that people look at him as a, uh, as a, as a, as a red flag on the offensive line as somebody who is locked in as the starter at the right tackle as something that, that absolutely has to change. He's a guy that I think this spring can, can put some of that to rest. So let's go on quickly to our prediction game because we've had a, a good long conversation about Penn State football. Here is our prediction for the day. Uh, who is Penn State's next athletic freak? So 60 seconds here. Ryan, give me who you think is going to be Penn State's next Bruce Feldman's freak list or the guy that we're talking about next season is, wow, look at that dude do what he just did. Yeah, well, I always do this, but I'm circling back to one thing real quick. Caden Wallace played his best football towards the end of the year last year, and I just want to get that out there because I, I totally agree with you. Uh, the freak, man, come on, it's Nick Singleton. My God, this kid can bench like three of me already. Uh, he was squatting 500 the other day, and uh, I mean, he's coming in. 
with, I mean, you want to talk about crazy expectations. I mean, this guy's going to yep. be compared to uh, Saquon Barkley his entire career. Uh, but from a physical perspective, he's coming in and already uh, it's going to be clear that he's going to he's going to try and match some of those numbers. So uh, I, I think I think Nick's been an incredible. Uh, you know, just his preparedness and and everything getting to this level has been on a different level than everybody else in his class. Okay, I mean, there is no harder worker, no more, no person more dedicated to his craft and and being uh, at his physical peak than Nick Singleton. So to me, I mean, it, it has to be him. There's there's other guys I'm sure I could think about a little bit, but my God, I mean, I just spent three years watching Nick Singleton. I got to pick Nick Singleton here. Okay, so we're going to go on to Dave. Dave picked first, actually, and in an upset, he picked Theo Johnson. Was it that you had picked Nick Singleton too many times? So what's your what's your reason for Theo Johnson here? Yeah, I mostly just didn't want to ride the Nick Singleton train anymore. You know, I, I, I rode it to victory last week. You know, I don't know if I need to do that again. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, look at Theo Johnson. Just look at Theo Johnson, right? I mean, he's huge. He's athletic. Like, He's he's the poster boy for like Bruce Feldman's freak, uh, you know, series. He's he's mm-hmm. he's just he's got everything that you need uh, to be a special tight end at this level from a physical standpoint. He's just kind of got to put it together on the field. But as, as far as what he does in the weight room, what his body looks like, what his athleticism is like, I, you know, there there's a lot to get excited about. So he, he's the guy that I would pick. Um, if I'm if I'm staying away from the Nick Singleton hype here, the voting is open in the chat right now. So if you're watching the show live, make sure you throw in who you think Penn State's next athletic freak is, or if you want to play the game, who gave the best argument for who their athletic freak is, and that is where I'm gonna win, guys. If you've got an athletic freak and he is 326 pounds. He is more rare than anything else. And Landon Tangwall, he is becoming that. He is going to be the, uh, the, the next great offensive lineman at Penn State that is a more rare thing to be. And he is going to maybe not get the same love and he's not going to get the same freaks list stuff. But we need to stop just, you know, the pretty boys, the skill positions. They need to stop getting as much love. The dudes on the inside that are doing it at 326 pounds that are moving giant humans against their will, Landon Tangwall is a freak, and he is going to prove that by Penn State actually being good at running the ball next year, and he's going to help Ryan and Nick Singleton win this debate. So I'm going with Landon Tangwall. So get your votes in. We'll be uh, wrapping up the show here. And then as uh, the votes come in, we'll make sure to get the answer out there. And then you get 30 seconds of bragging rights when you win, Ryan. So that's how this works. Um, So let's move on. (laughs) Penn State basketball. We'll finish up with that. Dave, you are our Penn State basketball reporter. They go on a losing skid to end the season. What could have been is not. They are now in the first game, uh, the first weekend of the Big Ten tournament. What happened at the end of the season for Penn State basketball? Uh, they played a bunch of good teams. <laughs> but well, easy enough. Yeah. yeah, you know. Yeah. They like you, you would not expect them to win at Illinois or at Rutgers, right? I know Penn State fans hear Rutgers and think that's a team that Penn State should beat in just about everything, but in, in basketball that's not true. Uh, they have they have a good team. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I, you, you look at it and the Nebraska loss is really the one that gets you. Although Nebraska just finished the season by winning at Ohio State and at Wisconsin. <laughs> but but yeah. still, if you're circling the one where it's like, that's the missed opportunity, it's it's Nebraska. Um, and, you know, they win that game, they're, they're not in this round. Uh, they, they go right to Thursday. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's been the same, right? Like they, they, they limit you. They're very good defensively. They are excellent defensively, but they just don't have the firepower or maybe uh, the guile in late game situations, um, to get over the top in some of these games. Right. I mean, they were in that, that Illinois game the entire time, um, Rutgers, they come back from 15 points down um, in the uh, 15 points down in the second half, and they've got the ball down one with seven seconds to go with a chance to win. Um, so, you know, um, it's 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 tough to it's tough to watch as M Shive two here is kind of saying like I feel like Penn State basketball maybe more than any other sports team in existence, like just tortures people who enjoy to watch it because (laughs) Mm -hmm. like they are the Kings of almost nobody does almost (laughs) like Penn State basketball does almost. So yeah, it's just been more of the same. Um, If if you're a fan and you're watching and it's definitely frustrating, but um, you know, seven and 13 to close the big 10 season. I don't necessarily know that that's a bad result for Micah Shrewsbury in year one. Um, I think that's fine. So we'll see what they can do this week. Uh, Ryan, I don't want to shut you out of the conversation here. I was busy oh, I covering. I, I was busy covering uh, the combine this weekend, so I didn't get to see any of the games. Do you have any thoughts about the end of the basketball season? Yeah, I mean, Dave, nine and eleven would have been a pretty good year, right? In the Big Ten. I mean, and that's pretty yeah. much what I feel like we yeah. should have been. You know, it just a, a bounce or two goes a different way. I mean, just and I, I remember like going back to the. Earlier in the season, I mean, dude, they almost beat LSU. Did, it, mm-hmm. did LSU finish the top twenty-five? I mean, they were they were a pretty good quality team. They the, didn't. The they were close. Yeah, I mean, they uh, were. I mean, dude, the, SEC, the the big takeaway for me for college basketball this year is just how strong the SEC, SEC. is. I mean, my God, yeah, they have put so much. The SEC has put so much money in their basketball that uh, man, that conference is really emerging. Uh, I mean, but look, that that Miami game, you know, remember what they lost by? I think like four or five in that one. They were in that game very much. Uh, should have beat Wisconsin, uh, which I think was away at Wisconsin. Or at least, I mean, yep. you, you watched that closer than I did, Dave. But, I mean, they were right there for that one. I think they, they did upset Iowa, I believe. Well, Iowa wasn't that good this year. I think they actually took a step back. But, um, yeah, I mean, there were just, there were just so many games. That, that Michigan State game, losing by four points. Uh, what was it? Uh, and then, you know, the most the most recent ones, of course, you know, Illinois and Rutgers. And I'm sure I'm missing one or two others where, uh, you know, they were they were right in the mix and, and let it slip away. But to me, if they would have went, uh, you know, nine and 11 in the Big Ten this year, I think that would have been a good year. And I think that was realistic. So let's see what these guys, uh, you know, the, the guys coming in can bring. And uh, to me, I mean, I, I still think you should be pretty excited uh, if you're a Penn State fan about Penn State basketball. I like Michael Shrewsbury. I like the progress they're making. I like the recruits. Dave, you know better than me. Uh, but from the outside yeah. looking in, you know, I, I think they're bringing in some talent. So there, there's a reason to be excited, man. It's just a couple buckets here and there. Uh, really could have been the difference between them potentially going to the NIT. They're, I don't think are they NIT now, Dave. I don't. I don't think they're a little bit outside no, of that, right? No. Yeah. No, yeah. No chance. I'm actually. I'm going to ask him today uh, if if they think about the CBI. Just because mm-hmm. I'm interested in, in whether you know in year one they they'd give that a shot, um, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, 
But yeah, you're right. I mean, they're four and nine in games decided by six or fewer points. So, mm-hmm. you know, if they're 500, the season's totally different. But again, um, you know, that's nothing and new, just, right? Yeah, just the fact they played 13 games, you know, within that amount of, yeah. uh, you know, that I mean, close they, they, to the end in the Big Ten. Yeah, they were only blown out once or twice in special circumstances a couple times this year, especially after that break. They came back and they, they were able to be competitive and they found this is another thing, Dave, that I think you've done a great job in, and Nate has done a great job of pointing out is Micah Shrewsbury has worked with the guys on the roster to find a formula that works. That's good coaching of here's the talent I have, and we're going to find something that this group does well and then hammer that. And they were able to do that at the end of the season. They got a lot of close games and could have had some upsets, but ultimately didn't. Ryan, are you like Adam Schefter where he loves talking basketball? Where it's, it's not, you're, you're not the insider, cause so it's it's like a free, safe place no. that you can just have fun and talk about basketball? <laughs> no, no, no. That's like, uh, for me, that's like soccer. And I mean, based, I'm a big Phillies guy. Phillies and mm. Everton, those are my, those are my teams. God. My pat, the only, you know, when you become a sports reporter, but, oh, uh, cause he's a Mets fan. Shut up there, Dave. Um, but anyway. I'm um, well, either way, no, Ryan. I mean, we're gonna That's we're gonna like. we're gonna call it. You you won here. We got a couple minutes left on the show. Nick Singleton was once again the correct answer to today's question. So you have thirty <laughs> seconds to gloat over uh, your victory. One and zero on the show, by the way, showing up the first time and getting the win. Uh, I'll and I'll and I'll give the same thing for Nick Singleton. This is probably a I don't know. If this was this was supposed to be like around the horn where I sure at the end yes. Uh, but the same with Drew Aller, man. Just, just, just temper expectations a bit. I get to know these kids. I get to know their families, and I get to talk to people on Lash. I, I, I have a fun job, and I enjoy that. And, I, and I also talk to a lot of fans on message boards, so I get the the full circle of, uh, you know, thoughts and opinions. And sometimes I do really do believe that, you know, fans and their expectations, uh, especially for young players, you know, it really puts a lot of pressure on them. So just. You know, try not to be the one on, uh, you know, Twitter, always just, you know, hyping up Drew Aller and Nick Singleton and the next things. I think they have incredible potential, uh, but let's not put too much pressure on them before they actually get the, the opportunity to show it. Because it, sometimes it, it does it does impact these guys. Remember, they're still teenagers. And that, by the way, to bring it full circle, is what T. Frank's Film Room is all about. Make sure you subscribe, subscribe to Blue White Illustrated so you get all of that stuff. Blue White Illustrated on uh, the website and here on YouTube. And one last thing from me, Mike says, hard to show freak ability on the offensive line. Challenge accepted. That is going to be my <laughs> job number one during the fall is to highlight all of the offensive linemen doing a great job during T. Frank's Film Room uh, during the fall. So guys... Thanks so much for coming on the show. This was a ton of fun. Ryan, thanks for coming on and filling in for uh, for Nate. Yeah, anytime, man. We'll do it soon. We'll do it again. And whenever Nate goes to San Juan again, right? Or Dave, wherever you go. I don't know. You want to Cancun or something? But anyway. Do you want to fill in for me sometime? Do you want do you want to do you want to sit in the captain's <laughs> no. chair? That's way I, I've been trying to learn ECAM for uh, six months now. I haven't made much progress with it. That's why you and Greg do all that stuff. But anyway, moving on. So make sure you tune in uh, at six o'clock tonight. Again, is the release of the Rodney Gallagher interview on the BWI daily edition. Uh, we'll be back next Monday previewing one week closer to spring football. We'll have more to talk about with Penn State football coming up then. And of course with Ryan, we didn't even get into the recruiting stuff this week. He's on the, the recruiting show with Greg pickle coming up tomorrow on the BWI daily. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you then. <laughs>